tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weber, episode 19. Hey, you guys. Wow, it is hard to believe, but it's already November and Thanksgiving is just around the corner. Wow, I'm so excited because we get to have the grandbabies with us this year. We kind of do this every other year thing. And so this year we have Thanksgiving. I cannot wait to have those grandbabies in my arms and kissing those sweet little cheeks. Uh, Jax and Quinn are our twin grandbabies and they are... um, I think 17, almost 17 months old. And then Nathaniel is just four and a half, five months old. And he's just a delight. I can't wait to watch him together. That's what I'm excited about. Oh, and you know, it'll be nice to have their parents too. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Life goes so quickly, doesn't it? You know, um, it's going to be Christmas, and then within just a month and a few weeks, we're going to have a brand new year, a new decade upon us. And I just wonder, have you thought about what you want to take with you? Because I think it's important. I mean, there's definitely things I want to take. I'm taking those grandbabies for sure. But you know what? There's some other things that I'm just not sure it's worth dragging into the new year. That's why I've dedicated these two episodes, um, episode 16, which I called Choosing to Forgive, and now today's episode, Cultivating an Unoffendable Heart. Because here's the deal, things are going to happen. Jesus said it himself, he said, it's impossible that offenses should not come, but it's what we do, what we do with those offenses that matters most. You know, I think we are in a period of history where this is especially important. You know, Jesus said that in the last days that many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another, Matthew 27 once says. And boy, you you don't have to look far. All over today's culture, there is so much polarization, so many of us shouting our opinions and, and saying things that are so hurtful and so cruel that there are so many opportunities to be offended. So what are we going to do with it? Yeah, it's impossible that offenses should come, but we have a choice. And so today I just want to talk a little bit about kind of springboard off of our discussion of forgiveness um, and go into actually cultivating a heart that isn't easily offended. You know, it may be impossible on this earth to really have an unoffendable heart, but I can tell you this, we can choose to not be easily offended. You know, I was writing a chapter on the unoffendable heart in my new book, and so that's what kind of inspired this uh these two episodes. But the Lord <laughs> gave me two bad dreams to remind me that Forgiveness is not as easy as it sounds. And it was just wild because they were two completely different dreams. One was that our kitchen was being remodeled and the people we paid to do it did an absolutely horrible job. I I mean, I can see it in my mind. I wish I had time to tell you. It was bad. Let's just say it was really, really bad. (laughs) And I woke up, you know, kind of that half awake where I was just like steaming because, oh my goodness. And then I went back to sleep and had a dream that some kids did something to my son and there was an adult standing by who did nothing. And oh my word, I woke up and you guys, I was fuming. 
Now, never mind that it actually never happened. Never mind the fact that it was only dreams. I was steamed, you guys. And as I laid there thinking about this chapter and trying to talk myself down, you know, like, Joanna, what's your deal? But all I could do was just nurse it and rehearse it and and just even get more angry. And, And on my own, I realized on our own, you guys, forgiveness and choosing not to be offended is very, very difficult. We need the help of the Lord. And I'm so glad because He's more than willing to do it. Um, In the last episode, I talked about acknowledging the hurt. You know, it's not saying that what people do doesn't matter, but it's acknowledging the pain and taking it to Jesus and asking Him to help us to forgive. And then choosing to release that person and situation to God. And then doing that process as many times as it takes until we're free. I hope you'll go back and listen to that episode because here's the deal. Forgiveness isn't easy. It's the hardest thing we do, but forgiveness isn't a gift we give someone else as much as a gift we give ourselves. Just imagine you guys, what it would be like not to take the baggage of these past years into the new year, to really do business with the Lord and relinquish our rights to be treated fair and to release those people from our judgment guess what would happen? We would no longer be defined by the hurt. We would no longer be bound to that situation or person. We'd be free to move forward rather than constantly playing that tape over and over in our mind. And as we forgive you guys, I really believe we'd be free to love people in a deeper way. Rather than being critical and suspicious, we'd be able to enjoy healthier more fulfilling relationships. I like what Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife, once said, a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. And boy, I can tell you from experience, John and I have found that true. If we constantly get offended each other, one offense piles upon another offense until we have built walls in our heart against each other. But when we choose to lay down our rights and give that hurt and that pain to the Lord, we become more Christ-like because we are never more like Jesus than when we choose to forgive. So how do we cultivate an unoffendable heart like Jesus? Well, I think, first of all, we need to determine to be a good forgiver. Be a good forgiver, kind of like what Ruth Graham said. Determine that when something happens, that we deal with it emotionally, that we choose to forgive rather than, you know how sometimes we're like, well, my feelings were just so hurt and I have to feel bad about it. Well, not necessarily. Uh, we can take that pain to the Lord. We can, we can ask Him to bring healing to our hearts. And then with His help, we can release that pain. Determine to be a good forgiver by doing it quickly, but also doing it completely. Some of us say, well, I forgive, but I won't forget. I'll tell you what, I am so glad that Jesus doesn't do that with our sin. The Bible tells us that God chooses not to remember, and we can do the same thing. We're not just putting a Band-Aid on. We're not just sweeping it under the rug and pretending like it doesn't matter. We're dealing with it, but we're dealing with it in a way that actually heals not only us, but the situation. As we determine to be a good forgiver, 
we learn how to keep a short account. You know, I, I really have found that if I do not deal with my hurt, then another hurt will come along to reawaken it and it'll just build and build and build until my heart shuts down and gets cold and angry and bitter. Determine to be a good forgiver. And then number two, refuse to overreact. Oh, can I tell you, this is a hard one for me. Oh my goodness. I am such an emotional person and I'm a verbal processor. And so often something pushes my buttons and I just react. But the Lord is rewiring my soul and he's helping me to put a pause between the hurt (laughs) and my reaction to the hurt. Just because that person has behaved badly. It doesn't mean that you need to. And so maybe we need to take the advice that we give our kids. Take a deep breath, count to five or 10 or 50 or 3,000, whatever it takes to get control of your emotions and calm down. You know, as I was working on this, I was reminded about a church event that we once had and this older couple, bless their hearts, they showed up like six hours early because they wanted to be sure to have a seat. But they were sitting in the second row right under the scaffolding where my husband was trying to work on the lighting bar and um, they needed to move. And so I gently asked them, would you guys mind coming um, over here and sitting uh, so that they can work? And, And then I got word from the people in charge of the event that they really needed those people to not be in the sanctuary until 6 p.m. And oh my goodness, did not make them happy. So I tried to settle them and um, offer them water, and I put a reserve sign on their seat. But oh my goodness, this lady was not happy, and nothing I could do could make her happy. And I started getting unhappy that she was unhappy, and I could feel I could feel kind of the the offense rising up in my soul. And I just felt like the Lord said, "Shh, Joanna, shh." A soft answer turns away wrath, and so. I'm learning. I'm learning. Just because someone pushes my button does not mean that I have to go nuclear. (laughs) It's a good reminder for all of us. And then number three, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Oh my goodness, you guys, this is the one that has probably helped me more than anything When something happens, the very first thing we do is we want to be understood. We want to explain our side of the story. But if we will pause that and instead seek to understand the other person's point of view, it can really help. Um, You know, when I, the story I just shared, when I realized that this lady was in some intense physical pain, you could just tell how she moved in the chair that she was very uncomfortable and, and Understanding that gave me some compassion. But also I think it's important to put ourselves in the other person's shoes because sometimes we perceive hurts and we perceive wrongs simply because we don't understand the whole story. Uh, We didn't get that promotion at work, but we don't understand that the boss felt that there was someone more qualified. Yes, that hurts, but it's it's his business, right? And then sometimes, you know, our our kids come home and they're all upset with their teacher and we just want to get all offended for them and we want to set somebody straight. But can I encourage you? Can I encourage you 
Before you jump to any conclusions, take time to try to understand the other person's point of view. Number four, speaking of that, believe the best, not the worst. (laughs) As I said, you don't want to jump to a conclusion and miss, or or as my husband puts it, you don't want to jump to a contusion. There are times when we're not going to be able to know the whole story. There's going to be times when it looks flat out wrong. But rather than assuming the worst, try believing the best. Number five goes along with that. Grace people. Don't shame people. I love I love the interaction in Genesis 33:10 as Jacob and Esau finally meet after all those years after Jacob had um sne- was so sneaky and stole I, the birthright. And so he had a right to be really worried about when he met Esau. I mean, what was going to happen? But when they did, um instead of Esau taking vengeance, Listen to what Jacob says as he offered some gifts to his brother. If I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief it is to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. You guys, the way we respond matters. We are supposed to be representatives of Christ. Let's grace people, not shame people. And then number six. And this may be one of the most important ones, refuse to pick up someone else's offense. You guys, I am convinced that there is nothing more dangerous than this. When we choose to pick up someone's grudges or we get offended for someone else, it not only infects us, but it begins to spread like a virus. Uh, I heard Bill Gothard teach on grudges once, and he he showed how that when someone offends another person, grace is released to the offender and the offendee. You see, God always works small circle. In fact, he gives us clear instruction in his word. In Matthew 5.23, we're told that if we remember someone has something against us, even if we're at the altar worshiping, we should leave our gift there and go be reconciled to that person. Matthew 18.15 says that if we have something against someone, we should go to them and share our concern. God is a small circle God. And he does not like it when we begin spreading our offense and trying to get other people to take our side. Because here's the deal. While grace is available to the offender and the offendee, as far as I can see in Scripture, we don't see that it's available to the third party. And that's why, you guys, churches split. That's why friendships shatter. That's why schools and Businesses are pulled apart because we start taking sides, we pick up grudges, and that grudge becomes a tool in the hands of the enemy. I I had a friend once who said, Joanne, I don't know what it is, but people just come to me and they tell me things, and I, I know that maybe it's kind of like gossip, and I don't know what to do. And so I took her to those scriptures where it says that that person is supposed to go to the person who's offended them, not to anybody else. And she goes, but what do I do? How, how do I, I mean, I can do that, but what else should I do? And I said, well, if people are dumping things, you need to put a lid on your garbage can (laughs) and point them to the person that really they need to be talking to. 
And then number seven, trust God to make it right. As I mentioned in the last episode, solo episode, we get offended because we think people have ruined our lives. We think they have to pay. But here's the thing, you guys. If we truly belong to God, if we've given Him our heart and our life, He promises to take care of us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to protect. He wants to redeem everything the enemy means for evil. And He says, vengeance is mine. Don't worry. I will repay. So we can trust His wisdom. We can trust Him to make it right. We can trust that He'll be the one who opens doors and shuts them. That it isn't our boss who exalts one person over another. It's God, according to His Word. And then number eight, I think this is also super important. Ask God to help you love people more. I think that a lot of us are easily offended because we haven't dealt with old hurts. And as a result, if, if the truth be known, we don't even like people. And so we're cynical and we're suspicious, we're judgmental and we're self-protective. But we can ask God for a new heart, a heart that loves like Jesus, a heart that loves the unlovable, a heart that is like Tertullian said of the New Testament Christians when he wrote, Behold, how they love each other. The world had never seen a love like these Christians had. And you know what? I believe the world's hungry to see that kind of love today, but it doesn't come naturally. It's only available through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. But if we'll ask, God wants to give us the unoffendable heart of Jesus. He wants to give us the kind of love described in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Listen to this part. It's not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. Imagine what kind of life we'd have. What kind of family, what kind of marriage, church, what kind of friendships we'd have if we could cultivate the unoffendable heart of Jesus. I'm asking God to make me a good forgiver, someone who forgives quickly, someone who forgives completely, someone who isn't irritable or touchy, someone who does not hold grudges and hardly even notices when others do it wrong. I want that kind of heart, don't you? So girlfriend, it's time. It's time to unpack those bags. It's time to leave those hurts behind and go into this new year unhindered, completely free, living and loving and leading with the unoffendable heart of Jesus. Jesus. 